You're listening to the Goal Line Stand Podcast with Jackson Caudell and Kobe Reed, where we break down all things college football, including breaking news, recruiting, gameplay, and more. Let's get straight to it. And welcome back, everybody, to the latest episode of the Goal Line Stand Podcast post Week Zero editions. This is Jackson Caldell. That is Kobe Reed. Kobe, how does it feel? We're, we're fa- past the technically the first week. Football's back. I love it, man. Just counting down the days. Now we got some big boy games going on. Got Georgia, Oregon, and Florida, Utah, Ohio State, Notre Dame, and Alabama and Utah State. That's going to be a tough one, man. I can't wait. And Duke and Temple. Don't don't leave that one out. We got Duke and Temple Friday yeah. night. So, yeah, so while, you know, it's a new season, some things are going to change, but some things remain the same. And, you know, we're not even going to bury the lead here. Nebraska looked like the exact same team that, that we left off with. This We both picked Nebraska to win. I picked Northwestern to cover because yeah. just season opener, Pat Fitzgerald j- usually gets his teams up for those kind of games. That first drive, you know, it they they marched right down the field, got a got a, a score, and it looked like okay, this Nebraska offense may be may be legit. You know, Northwestern took a while to get going, but just it's just dumb mistakes. It's just you know, and Scott Frost said after the game, and you know, I'm paraphrasing here, but you know, it's like seeing the same movie over and over again. And you know, he's right. But the bad part is he's the one directing the movie. Like it's like, yeah. why are you onside kicking when you're up eleven? Like you onside kick when you're trying to get control of the game, not when you have it. And I guess I kind of got it to an extent. Like, you know, they were so horrible. I mean, they were the 130th ranked special teams unit last year. You know, you might be trying to, you know, say, hey, we, we got this fixed now. But like that just shifted the momentum completely in that game. I I don't know your over, overall thoughts on that because it's just it's just the same Nebraska to me. And it's just it, it feels inevitable at this point. Yeah. Kills me. We made this joke. It's like Brian Harson after year one, they were already trying to push him out the door, and he got what six wins, five six wins last year. It could have been more. Scott Frost literally tried to throw that game, <laughs> and yet we're still talking about he can make it through the season this year. I don't understand. I just I don't understand it. And see, their schedule is is not hard, but I mean if you're if you go 6 and 6 and make a bowl game, is that what you want as a Nebraska fan? This is year 5. He was supposed to be the savior, you know, he won a national title as a quarterback, you know, he had the undefeated national champions at F- your UCF and you know, yeah. There's no progress being made and it's like you know, I saw in a, a a stat on uh, Twitter, and it's if he wins the next fifty games, he still would have a worse winning percentage than Bo Pelini. Like this is what you know. This is what Nebraska's move. You know, Bo Pelini, oh, he couldn't get over the hump. You know that we were we were stale on offense, and some of that was true. Like they they never made the progress on offense, but ever since you know Mike Riley went poorly, but he made a bowl game. Like Scott yeah. Frost, it's just it's all hype and no substance, and it's just. To me, even if he finds a way to get to a bowl game, I cannot find a way. What's the silver lining if you're a Nebraska fan if you do that? The only way you're satisfied is if he has an eight-win season. That's the only acceptable season. What I thought now, he has to beat Oklahoma. Yeah. He he has to have something to hang his hat on. So, even if you wind up seven and five, he can say, hey, we beat Oklahoma. And especially if Oklahoma has a goes on to have a pretty good season, but – 
Yeah. You're just you're you're gonna have to beat somebody like Oklahoma, maybe go on the road and beat Michigan. Like there's got it, you can't sit here and say, Well, we beat Rutgers, Purdue, Indiana, Illinois. We just got to a bowl game because you know, this team is just not changing and it's just it's they're a reflection of their head coach, and it just seems like he he just never adjusts. Like the Nebraska yeah. offense looks solid in the first half. Northwestern come out, change some things up, and then Nebraska's offense just went away completely. Yeah, it's just it was just bad football. It's like you got the head coach of Nebraska on this sideline, you got the head coach on this sideline. It's like they're both laughing at each other, like saying, "Do you want to win this game? Do you want to win this game? I'll throw it if you throw it." You know what I'm saying? Like it's just bad football, man. Like you don't like watching that, and especially for them because they came out hot, man. Like they came up, think they were leading by double digits at one point. Um, they were looking good. Casey Thompson making a lot of good throws. I mean, he had a heck of a game. I'll give him that, at least mm-hmm. in the first half. But it's just coaching, man. It's like you got the better eleven men on the field at any given time. Just win a football game. And if he yeah. can't even do that, then how's he? Like, how much longer does he have? Can he make it to week four at this point? Yeah, I guess. Like, they're they'll beat North Dakota and Georgia Southern, but then like all eyes are on you for that Oklahoma game. Yeah. I, I mean, if if he doesn't win that, I mean, you'll have Indiana, Rutgers, Purdue, Illinois. They could win all four of those. To me, it just what does it matter? Because I just don't know that any, any four of those teams are good. And I'll say this, like, it's a small sample size. It just – or usually I'll say it's a small sample size, like it's one game. Maybe we just underrated Northwestern. Like, Northwestern in yeah. eight years, you know how we talked about they go off and on, like, one year they're three and nine, the next year they're winning the division. Maybe this is the Northwestern bounce back we see in those years. Yeah. I just – I don't think they're that good. Like, I, yeah. I just – I don't think we underrated them by that much. I think, you know, pivoting to Northwestern a bit now, I think a bowl game's in play. I didn't think a bowl game was in play for them previously, but you knocked off Nebraska as a double-digit underdog. And, you know, their next – you know, they get this up coming weekend off. But, I mean, Duke, Southern Illinois, and Miami, Ohio were their next three. I mean, I think all those are yeah. in now. But they're still – it's going to be it, – it'll still be tough to make a bowl game just because of the back half of that schedule. But, I mean, tip your cap to him. I mean, Pat Fitzgerald got him ready to play. Ryan Holinsky played the best game of his career because that was one of the reasons I doubted Northwestern because I just didn't think he was very good. But Which win do you think meant more, Ryan Holinsky at South Carolina beating Georgia or being at Northwestern and beating Nebraska? The Georgia win was obviously bigger. Just What was Georgia like, number three, number yeah. four, something yeah, like that? I'm pretty sure they were undefeated. That South Carolina team stunk the rest of the way. Like, this Northwestern team could at least get to a bowl game. I don't know. I guess I'll go with the Georgia win just because that was massive because I yeah. honestly can't remember the last time South Carolina beat them before that. Yeah. Um, and I remember being up in the press box uh, coaching, and I, I checked my phone at halftime because that's what we do. And, you know, I saw South Carolina pulled the shocker against Georgia, and that was crazy. And honestly, until you just said that, I did. I forgot that Helensky was in that game. Yeah, so, that was the he, only reason, he, like, he, I knew who he was because I remember he was the quarterback that beat Georgia. Yeah. But – and I'll say, like, Northwestern's defense didn't really like it improve that much because that was the one thing I was kind of worried about. Yeah. You know, under great Northwesterns, they usually bounce back on defense, but their, their defense really – didn't impress all that much. They they made adjustments, however, and you know. Well, also Casey Casey Thompson is a talented quarterback. For him to pick them apart, I mean that's that's kind of asking for it, you know. And Mark Whipple's a good OC. I mean, we all saw what yeah. he did with Pickett last year. So, 
at the end of the day, it just – I think that's my probably biggest overall takeaway from week one is it just looks like same old, same old Nebraska. Who knows? Maybe they'll get it together. I just – I don't think so at this point. I'm done. I wasn't really buying the Nebraska hype. I, more than so, I thought they had an easy schedule. But that was supposed to be one of the gimmies for them, you know. Yeah. Their total was at seven and a half, and it was – you know, some of that was baked in. Now, you could be fighting for your life for a bowl game now. And obviously, if he misses yeah. a bowl game, there's no way. But – yeah. I thought about pivoting possibly to talking about possible Nebraska coaching candidates. I just I think it's a little early right now. Well, I'm sure yeah. we'll that at some point this season. <laughs> yeah, just be a few weeks. We but, save that for a later date. Yeah, but hey, so what I, do you think about the highest scoring offense in the country in Vanderbilt, man? We we hyped that game up. You know, I was a little worried yep. because. I didn't know which side to take in terms of like the point spread because it just we yeah. we talked about it. It feels dirty laying any type of big spread with Vanderbilt just just because. He, but even like Hawaii might be the worst team in the country. And I'm not yeah. trying to take anything away from Vanderbilt, but they may be real real bad. <laughs> yeah, it's that that was embarrassing. But I'll, I'll I'll give it to Vanderbilt. They they seem like they have an identity a little bit on offense. They weren't trying to mm-hmm. throw the ball around like they were last year. Like they know their quarterback strength. They played to it. They know Hawaii couldn't stop it, so they just kept on. So hey, one and zero leading yeah. the SEC East right now. They're in first place with one and zero record. They're about to get to two and zero after beating Elon this week. I know we weren't going to discuss any games, but you know we can't hide the inevitable. Yeah. The Commodores are going to be two and zero. But I mean. I think it's more of a Hawaii's bad thing, but they're one to know, and they won by fifty-three points. It wasn't like they come out fooled around like a certain North Carolina team did and messed around with Hawaii. But I, I think my takeaway was Hawaii might be battling. Like I come into the day expecting UConn to be the worst team that I saw all day. It was Hawaii, and it wasn't close. I I don't know that team. Florida State played. That was some bad football, bro. Okay, let me rephrase. FBS team, like all okay, elite that's Duke fair. in a past that they're FCS and talent wise, they're just like we we all knew that well, what that yeah. was going like. But I mean, it, I mean, FAMU coming to North Carolina with what they had like twenty players suspended, wasn't that the story? Yeah, it was something weird, dude. I remember seeing it on Twitter. But there's just no reason they should have even been in that game. Yeah, it was it was crazy. And I, I guess I'll you know we were just talking about them, UConn. I'll just talk about them for a second because we're not going to talk about them much at all this year. I'll give them some props. They they come out. They were nearly four touchdown underdogs against a team that won 11 games and the Mountain West last year. They were up 14 nothing in that game, and it, it kind of looked like a possible upset. Their quarterback wound up getting hurt, and Utah State kind of seized control after it. But, I mean, yeah. I saw some of UConn last year. I, they quit a lot of the time because they played week zero last year and they were down like 40 something to nothing at halftime. I'll at least give yeah. this, you know, Jim Mora coached UConn team credit in his first game. They come out and fought as big underdogs. I still think you're probably looking at one, just one or two wins, but we got to get in our UConn talk while we can, because it's probably not going to happen much this season. So, um, yeah. any thoughts on Illinois 38, six, seven, why did you see with the yeah. Wyoming? Did you see that stat line? Uh, uh-uh. Five of twenty-three for thirty yards. So that's another that's one. Wyoming might be uh, real bad too, because and the thing is, it could have been worse. Illinois screwed around in the red zone a little bit and didn't score as many as they could have. So they got to get ready for a game against Indiana this Friday night. But 
Yeah, Wyoming and Hawaii look like they're going to be bottom of the barrel here this year. And Wyoming's been a tough team the past few years, but with all those guys transferring, like Isaiah Nayor to to Texas and they, their top quarterback, their top running back. I mean, that, that's for a school like Wyoming, you're just not going to replace that type of production so easily. Yeah. So, um, I mean, it's just, it's crazy to see how the mighty falls because you got guys like Josh Allen come from Wyoming. And then you got guys that put on a performance like they did on Saturday. One end of you got the NFL MVP front runner right or going into the season. Yep, you got whatever that was. Um, so yeah, I mean that's kind of our week zero wrap up. I, I don't know if you have any more thoughts on that. You know, we'll see if Vanderbilt can keep their title of high scoring team in the nation. They're going to have to put up another sixty burger if they want to keep that though. Because yeah. who knows what else happens this weekend? Because after seeing uh, Utah State's defense against rushing defense against UConn, Alabama may get sixty in the first half. So yeah, that, I'm that, expecting Jameer Gibbs to put himself as the Heisman front runner after this game, like twelve touches too. Like, yeah, this game won't take much, and he and it may just be a first half game too. Yeah, but, that was an interesting story that came out. The um, so the guys we had predicted as Alabama's starting wide receiver core. We only got one right with Jermaine Burton. It seems like Alabama and Nick Saban are trusting some other guys that have apparently blossomed and developed very, very much so in the offseason. Uh, Treshawn Holden, Jermaine Burton, and Kobe Prentice has been named starters for the Utah State game. I thought that was very interesting because I thought tra- uh, Louisville trans- transfer uh, Tyler Harrell was – Going to be, I didn't know if he would start right away, but I thought he'd at least be in the running. And then Ja'Cory Brooks, of course, the same same young man that caught the game tying touchdown against Auburn in the Iron Bowl. Uh, it's going to be very interesting to see. I mean, of course, Kobe Prentice, he's a true freshman, he, fantastic speed. I remember watching his film going to high school, but I'm just, I'm wondering the angle Saban's taking. Like, is this one of those things where, He's throwing three guys out there that may not be the starter and saving his actual starters for Texas next week. You know what I'm saying? So what, what yeah, do you think about that? Kind of my thought, my thought as well when I saw that. And I mean, I guess I was a little surprised at Harold because I'm not going to compare him to Jamison Williams. I don't think he's that good. But mm-hmm. if anybody has that type of speed that can make big plays down the field, he is he is probably Alabama's biggest threat. At least maybe until JoJo Earl gets back from um, from his injury. So yeah, I was a little surprised at that, but. I mean, Alabama, they're going to run four wide a lot in that offense. Like, you're going to see all yeah. those guys come out and play. Uh, I don't know if there's, like, a huge takeaway right now. But, I mean, you do have to remember, you know, Saban after the national title game, you know, when those guys went down, when Mechie and Williams went down, and, you know, he was saying, like, we had, like, guys had opportunities to step up and they didn't step up. Yeah, Maybe it's a situation like that, or maybe it's just those guys have just really took a hold in fall camp. That would be my guess just because, I mean, Alabama's just loaded at every position. It's not going to be a huge surprise when some guys leap over the others. So, yeah, it's it's rich people problems in Tuscaloosa. So we'll, it, I think it'll just be more interesting when we see them actually, you know, play, play it together. Yeah. And, like, even though I think they're going to blow Texas out, like yeah. at least Texas has NFL talent on offense and defense. So we'll, yeah. we'll get to see that. But. You know, I guess that takes us to Alabama's biggest – you know, there was several – like it was just, you know, we're sitting here watching Vanderbilt, Hawaii, and then all of a sudden, oh, Texas A&M, Haynes King, starter. Michigan yep. doing I don't know what with Cade McNamara and J.J. McCarthy. And then today, or was it yesterday, T.J. Finley named the starting quarterback at Auburn. Yeah. With all three of those, I guess, you know, which which one do you feel most confident in, like you think can have a big season this year? 
I'm going to go Haynes King at A&M. I think A&M, they got three really good quarterbacks. Um, but Haynes King, I feel like he had spurts last year before his injuries where he looked like he could be a really, really good quarterback. I trust that. I don't trust the little two, two quarterback system Jim Harbaugh's on. Like, I understand trying to make guys compete, see what they do in a real game situation, but it's kind of just like what happens if you choose the wrong guy in the first quarter of the season? You know what I'm saying? And yeah. after making it a big ordeal. And then TJ Finley, I think we're all shocked by that because we expected Zach, Zach Calzada, the A&M transfer, to walk in. But apparently he's dealt with injuries all offseason. Um, and you got guys like Robbie Ashford. He was an Oregon transfer. He might be listed number two at the depth charts right now. And so it's just it's kind of weird. I don't really know what they got going on. Yeah, I mean, I think I think McNamara and McCarthy will have the most success by virtue of just who they play. Like it's yeah. – you know, we were talking pre-show. I mean – we're going to be getting ready to go trick or treating and going for Halloween before Michigan plays a real football game this year. So, like, is yeah. they're going to have time to settle in and get going? Haynes King, like, he's talented. Like, I th- he can run a little bit too, if I'm not mistaken. Like, he he can do a little bit of both. And you know, I'm he's got a couple. You know, they got App State coming week two. Like, that's not going to be yeah. a problem. Like, it will be for North Carolina this weekend. But you know, we'll really see how good Haynes King is this season when they take on Miami at home here in a few weeks. Cause you know, he didn't get to play in a big game last year. I think it was it the Colorado game when he got hurt when A&M almost lost that game. I remember was it that game? game? Which one was starting when they lost to Arkansas early in the year? Was it, was that Calzada's that was first Calzada. game starting? Okay. Yeah. Cause that was like the week or two after. Um, yeah. But, so we really haven't got to see Haynes King against big time competition. That's my thing there. And I, I'll be honest, like I, TJ Finley to me is just a guy. Like we talked in our SEC preview, the only team that that's going to have a worse passing offense in the SEC is Vanderbilt. So, yeah. and Vanderbilt to me doesn't even want they like they know that. Like you saw it this weekend. Like they they don't want yeah. to. So Auburn hey, with a quarterback just, like that, Vandy don't got to throw the ball. You got Lamar Jackson, Michael Vick, three Exactly, man. Dude's got wheels. <laughs> but yeah, so like. I thought it was going to be – I didn't really – even if Calzada was the guy, which I thought it was going to be, I wasn't really, you know, expecting a lot there. He's kind of seemed like a Brian Harson Boise State quarterback where he was yeah. take care of the ball, do what we need to do. But it's it's just different at Auburn. Like, you've got in, – in, in big-time college football now, like, it, it's plainly obvious. You've got to have a difference maker quarterback, especially against a schedule like this. And yeah. no offense to him. I just don't think Finley is that. I think if he can, you know – if he can limit the turnovers and whatnot, I think you're going to see a real run-heavy offense, obviously, with Bigsby. And I think their offensive line is is pretty decent. But you, at some point against somebody, you're going to have to make plays throwing the ball. And yeah. I just don't – that's just why I'm down on Auburn and I can't see them winning more than five or six yeah. games, absolute most. Um, like, do you think Michigan will do this offseason? Like, that's the thing I keep going back and forth in my head. Like, are they going to sit here and flip-flop offseason or is it going to be maybe – by week three or four, they'll actually settle on a guy because it's just, I don't know. I would be more with one guy. I think they end up flip-flopping throughout the whole season because it's going to – I feel like Harbaugh, he's going to get ridiculed because what's going to happen is he set this up to be such a big quarterback competition to where he's going to lay the competition on the line with real games, meaning you couldn't get this figured out in fall camp. you got to wait for real games to figure this out. So if he chooses – uh, McNamara after week two to play in week three, and then McNamara throws three interceptions, and then McCarthy comes in and plays good. 
then what what's going to happen? He's just going to have to keep picking and choosing, even though he clearly wants one guy, but he's just letting them have a competition for it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and I, I think, like, you know, when I was talking about Michigan, and obviously their schedule is, is pretty relaxed, and I think that's why a lot of people yeah. – either making a playoff run, even if they're not as good as they were last year. But the reason I have Penn State over them is I think J.J. McCarthy is the most talented of those two. I think he's able to push the ball downfield a lot more, and I, I think their their offense could really open up. I just have a feeling Harbaugh's going to stick with McNamara. And not that he's yeah. bad, but just doing what Michigan does, he's he's good for that. But when you have to make throws and you have to make plays, like we saw it, like the Georgia defense was ridiculous. But it also doesn't help because I just don't think against athletic defenses that make you throw the ball. Like Ohio State was poor on run defense last year, and Michigan yeah. ran it down there. He didn't have to do much that game. He didn't make mistakes outside of that one interception at the beginning of the game. And he was able to just kind of manage his way to victory there. If Ohio State's def- run defense improves a lot, like you're going to have to score points with him. And, and I, I just don't think he can do that. So I think it'll be interesting to see what they settle on. My gut tells me they'll flip flop, but McNamara will get the majority of the time, especially, you know, like let's, you know, they uh, just, just a quick glance at their schedule real quick. You know, Colorado State, Hawaii, UConn. And then they play Maryland to open up Big Ten play. That's September. So Maryland can score points. They're not going to stop. Like, it's just one of those situations they're not going to stop Michigan. And then, you know, they do have Iowa to me is their first real test just because, you know, Iowa can play defense. But also that's the kind of tailor-made game for Michigan because Iowa is disgusting offensively. So, yeah. I think Michigan's are set up more for success just because – of their schedule, but I mean, I think Haynes King may have the biggest upside. And were you surprised at all by that? Just because of them taking Max Johnson earlier in the offseason? No, and simply because the reason I'm not surprised about TJ Finley either. It just always makes sense to go with the guy that's been there the longest and knows the system the best. Like it just it makes sense. It really does. And the thing is, it, it's it's different with Harson and Jimbo because Jimbo, no matter what three guys he picked. I would like their chances at quarterback play more than any of the three guys that Harson had to pick through. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and I mean, I think everybody's heard the stuff about, you know, Jimbo just makes it hard on his quarterbacks. The playbook's extremely yeah. thick, and it's like an NFL playbook. And Haynes King's been there the longest out of, you know, um, those quarterbacks at A&M. So maybe that's what gives him the edge is he, he can run Fisher's offense a little bit better. But were you surprised yeah. that the five-star kid that they took this year wasn't – he was never mentioned at all as threatening for the job. I never really knew if he had a chance, but it just seemed like every quarterback battle nowadays, you hear something about the five-star freshman. We never really heard that at A&M, and maybe it's just because those other two were, were pretty good. On on signing day, Jimbo, the only thing I've ever heard was Jimbo really hyped him up. He said that Connor Wigman was the best quarterback in the class, like even over Kate Kublick, uh, Kate Kublick, Kublick? Kublick. Drew Aller, all of them. He said Connor Wigman was the best quarterback out of all of them. And so when he said that, this whole offseason, everything I've heard was it's a – three-headed monster at the quarterback competition at A&M. And like you said, whenever you named Haynes King, I heard nothing about uh, the true freshman Wigman. So is it that did kind of surprise me a little bit because this whole offseason, they just let the narrative go on that he really had a chance. Yeah, I was, I was just a little bit surprised by that. But I don't think we're going to hear any more quarterback news from – from anybody. I don't think there's any more outstanding quarterback competitions that are 
uh, coming to head. So, I mean, you know, week one's on the horizon. We're going to have it all coming this week. You know, Thursday games are Thursday and Friday games are going to start. You know, obviously, backyard brawl, West Virginia Pitt's going to be a big one. Penn State Purdue is also going to be a big one um, for both of those teams. Like that, you know, I think Penn State's the most underrated team in the Big Ten. I think Purdue may be the most overrated, one of the most overrated. So that'll be an interesting matchup right there. So, Kobe, you got any more week zero thoughts, any more quarterback battle thoughts, or, you know, we're, we're getting closer to a full Saturday of football? Uh, I just can't wait. There's nothing else left to say. It's just put on the pads, strap them up. Let's go play football, man. I cannot wait. So pl- I'll plug some Georgia Tech news real quick. Um, it's game week. You know, they're a week out from from playing Clemson. Don't expect to see a lot of depth chart talk this week. That's not a Jeff Collins thing, so uh, don't expect that. He's going to talk to the media tomorrow. So as far as any football news goes, they did send out an offer to IMG corner Jarvis Lee. He's a, he's a pretty solid – he's a pretty solid player. He's got some tr- track speed, you know, ran really well. He, right now he's leaning towards Virginia. That's where he's being crystal balled right now on the 24-7. So – but he's he's gaining some offers. You know, he just picked up a Miami offer as well. So, we'll see if Georgia yeah. Tech can get in there. They don't uh, – they only have one corner commit right now. So – and as everybody, I'm sure, has been waiting to hear, Georgia Tech, fifth-ranked volleyball team in the nation. Season just started. Just won the old Miss Invitational season. It's just going. It's just going off the rails now. You know, it's just going to be national title or bust now. Yeah, I'm I sure mean, you now. Hey, I mean, who knows? Georgia Tech week one might put DJ out of a job. Cape Cublet might have to come in and step in. Hey, that's, you never know. That's going to be, I think, one of the storylines of that game is okay if DJ starts struggling and the the, the feisty twenty one and a half point underdog starts making some plays. You know how quick is mm-hmm. you know, Abo has done nothing but heat praise on him, and we'll see if maybe the triggers pulled. Who knows? Maybe he doesn't have to. But we're going to discuss that game more at, at the end of this week. I don't have anything more to say, Kobe. You got anything? No, I'm just counting down the days, man. I've been saying it for a couple weeks now. Just ready to watch football on Saturday. Yes, sir. Make sure to follow him on Twitter. Be sure to follow me on Twitter. We got our links here in the description. This is Jackson Caldell. That is Kobe Reed. We are out.